Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Hey, let's go Buffalo. Hey, let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey Bills fans, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a great interview for you guys today. We have Tyler Dunn from Bleacher Report in to discuss his in-depth article on former Bills wide receiver and Super Bowl champion Sammy Watkins. Now, if you haven't read this article, please do. I'll put it in the show notes. But it's a truly fascinating read in general, uh, besides all the information that he provides about his time with the Bills. I obviously asked Tyler about that, but I also asked about Sammy's rough upbringing, his thoughts about aliens, demons, casting spells on players, shape-shifting, you know, like normal boring sorts of conversational pieces. And I close with some questions uh, for Tyler about the Bills and the recent reports of Brandon Bean and the Bills being in contact with Sammy's reps, uh, which Bean went on to adamantly deny this past weekend, and a bunch of other topics. So without further ado, our interview with Bleacher Report's Tyler Dunn. He was a Packers beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, a Bills beat writer for the Buffalo News, and is currently an NFL features writer at Bleacher Report. I'd like to welcome Tyler Dunn to the podcast. Tyler, it's great to finally talk to you. How are you? Hey, it's great to be here, man. Doing doing good. Just uh, ready to burst out of this quarantine whenever we get the green light and be safe, obviously, but... Uh, Man, getting these uh, 70, 75-degree days coming up this week. Um, can't wait to live a little bit Absolutely. outside of the house. <laughs> Absolutely. Cannot wait. Well, let's let's get right into it. Uh, your article on Sammy Watkins broke the sports internet last week. And uh, you probably interviewed hundreds of athletes and NFL personnel in your time as a writer. As far as being unconventional goes, where does your interview with Sammy Watkins rank? Oh my God! Number one, I mean, call me a prisoner of the of the moment, but I mean, this is by far the most interesting player. I mean, maybe person I, I've ever talked to. You know, job or no job, it, it was just a night, a conversation that I'll never forget. Um, I mean, like we were talking here uh, before we hit record, like, and it was five hours at the restaurant down there, just outside of Orlando, Winter Garden, Florida. And going in, just not really knowing, you know, where he would take this all. Uh, our relationship kind of goes back a ways to 2015 when I was at the Buffalo News. And, you know, we did another story with him how many was with the Rams. And then saw him in Kansas City and then saw him down in Miami for Super Bowl week. So, you know, we've always kept up 
in person at those various stops. And I had a feeling he, he would kind of, you know, go the Buffalo route. You know, when we were in Miami talking and kind of setting things up for the off season and just uh, exchanging numbers and all that, um, he kind of hinted at, at it being worse in Buffalo than anybody realized. So I, I kind of had a feeling like that depression was there and he would open up on that. But, you know, I never never expected that he would zig and zag from, you know, uh, fourth dimensions to etheric bodies to astral realms to entities, you know, clinging to us that are good and bad. It it just kind of took out of life, a life of its own, and it was unbelievably enlightening. I know there's opinions all over the board on, on what he said, but if, if I can just say one thing, it's that this guy is mentally, spiritually just in a fantastic place in, in his mind. I mean, he um he's been through a lot, and to get to this point of bliss, you know, he just took an unconventional route, to say the least. Well, great. I kind of want to talk about, first off, with what Sammy's dealt with, like in, in his early life. So what kind of upbringing did Sammy have, and what sort of things did he see and deal with from a young age that most fans probably don't know about? I mean, the best way to put it is, in the, in the present even, with this uh, Rico racketeering case, Right down there in Fort Myers, Lake Boys Gang. I mean, I want to say there's what was it, 22 or 23 um, uh, alleged gang members and all that are, are being sentenced, and some of them life in prison. Jari McMiller, Sandy Watkins' brother, is, is facing life in prison, uh, goes to trial in June. And, I mean, as Sammy kind of said, you know, these are my cousins. This is my brother. These are my friends. This is everybody I grew up with. I mean, People he grew up with are facing life in prison, let alone people he grew up with who have already been shot and killed, already put in jail. It's a rough area in Fort Myers, uh, kind of known as, as Little Pakistan. It's, it's been written about. I kind of knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. I mean, when, when he really opened up on it and, and seeing people just shot dead in the head, his words right in front of him, whew, I mean, that kind of sends a chill down your spine. I mean, from from that to, you know, even in the present, as, as he was uh, explaining, you know, he was out at, at the clubs in Orlando one night, and lo and behold, he finds out after the fact somebody from back home had been following him and knew what streets he was turning on and knew he was wearing uh, certain diamond uh, diamond necklace. It was uh, it was scary. Uh, I, so, so I think that context is, is really important. You know, you, you hear some of these things he says and believes today. Well, I mean, he came from about as, as bad of an area as, as you can ever draw up and had this ridiculous amount of talent to take him places the others there couldn't. So when things started going south in Buffalo, I mean, he felt guilty. He felt it just consumed him. I mean, he really felt like he was letting all these people down, and that just further fed that that dark place, that depression that he was in. Well, let's talk about, you know, Sammy in a time with the Bills. You know, a lot of times I feel like, you know, just in general, fans will blame Sammy for his last lack of success in Buffalo, maybe more than they should. I and mean, it's not his fault that he was drafted by Doug Whaley fourth overall in the draft. And it's not his fault that Wadey tra- Whaley traded an additional first round pick to get Sammy. But he dealt with a lot of personally in Buffalo. I mean, what sort of issues did he have while he was here that maybe we didn't know about as fans? Man, you're right. I mean, there were things that weren't, weren't his fault. I mean, it's kind of funny, too. He, he grew up a Bills fan, so I don't think I put that in the story. I mean, he was thrilled to be a Buffalo Bill. I mean, that was the team he grew up cheering for. Um, but, yeah, there, there, were, there were things that weren't his fault, yet there were also things that absolutely 
were his fault, and he opened up on that. I mean, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, whether it was, you know, at his house, staying up late, or going out on Chippewa Street with a lot of friends who had followed him north from Florida. Um, it, it, he just kind of wrecked his body, ruined his body. It just deteriorated, you know, wasn't, wasn't being a professional, and he owned up to it. You know, he said he would basically be, be drinking to what, 3, 4 a.m., and then wake up and go to practice the next morning. Hey, I'm sure a lot of these injuries were freak, but yeah, it sure doesn't help when you're, when you're doing that to yourself. And I don't think he really realized it at, at the time just exactly what he was doing. Uh, the first time we met, the first conversation I ever had with Sammy was uh, in the corner of the locker room when he, he put, the, put the bills on blast, you know, 10 targets a game. You're making yourself look bad. You're making me look bad. And I think that came from a place of, of, of well-intentioned, good intentions, a place of wanting to help the team. I mean, he said that. Look, I mean, this is – this is going to help the team if we get me the ball. And it did. <laughs> he said that was kind of like the one period when he actually was happy in Buffalo when he started getting the ball. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, then you've got him going after fans on Instagram, telling them to go back to y'all, little jobs. We all remember that. And uh, it just it was kind of a mess, you know, and it didn't help that, that foot. By the time he heard it the third time, I mean, he was just, um, you know, crying in his coach's arms and looking for answers beyond football, trying to figure out, why he's even here? Like, what is the meaning of life? I think a lot of people have asked themselves that question. His issues just all struck at once. His issues were just very public. So when he reached that private point of, of asking, uh, you know, why he's here, like, what's asking God, like, what, what, what am I? Like, what, what's my purpose in life? Um, he just started reading and researching and, and going down every rabbit hole imaginable from religions to the universe, to dimensions, um, it got, it got very, very deep, almost too deep at times, as he explained, but it helped him. I mean, it helped him get out of that darkness. So by the time he kind of woke up, as he called it, he felt like he was like hypnotized his whole life. He woke up and things just felt clear to Sammy Watkins. Wow. Well, that's very interesting. You know, I, I on a personal note, I, I definitely feel like the Bills should have targeted him more often. I think a lot of fans agreed with Sammy at that point, especially when you have a weapon like him. To not use him just seems, I don't know, criminal <laughs> at the time. Um, so I'm glad that, that he finally uh, came out. Didn't end up, you know, saving his career with the Bills, um, but I'm glad he said that. So so Sammy missed right. Sammy missed 11 games in his second and third season with the Bills. Was Sammy doing all the right things rehabbing injuries when he was with them? No. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he admits it, too. I mean, he would just take his boot off and just be running around town, you know, when he was supposed to just kind of keep it up and, and keep it immobile. I mean, that's the only way an injury like that can heal. And he, I mean, he said, yeah, he used to be running around, you know, getting a jog in. And um, obviously, you know, second and third hand, I've, I've heard other stories of people kind of seeing Sammy out and about doing things, you know, at that moment when, you know, fresh off a of foot injury. So, uh, yeah, he basically confirmed as such. And um, it just kind of fits into him not really realizing the moment. I mean, I think he, he admits it, too. Like, he just wasn't prepared mentally um, for all, all of the expectations that were upon him. And, and you're right, he, he didn't draft himself that high. He didn't get the first-round pick. But the Bills took him to really be – a savior. I mean, he was supposed to be a star. You think back to that draft and all the talent that was in that draft. Man, I mean, Sammy Watkins was the sure thing. I mean, if there was one player that you talked to scouts about and asked who was who perennial all-pro, um, it was Sammy Watkins. So, um, just 
you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out in Buffalo. I, I think it had a, a good shot at, at working out because by that fourth year, it, he was feeling a lot better mentally. Uh, but the relationship with Sean McDermott just wasn't going to work. I mean, he just felt bad energy uh, from, from the head coach for whatever reason. And, yeah, was praying to get traded. It happened off to L.A., off to Kansas City. So you mentioned, you know, Sean McDermott right there. You know, Sammy mentioned in the interview that when Sean McDermott first got to Buffalo, he was waging mental war with Sammy. Now, what do you think he meant by that? Yeah, it's hard to, you know, to get specifics on, on that. That's the way he described it. That he just kind of felt like Sean McDermott was, was testing him. And there, there are other players who felt the same. I mean, Sean McDermott is coming in as a new coach and, you know, talking about the process, talking about culture. And they obviously weeded out a lot of players. I mean, almost gutted the roster completely in time. Um, a, lot, a lot of reasons were salary cap related. But, I mean, a lot of it was the quote-unquote culture. And uh, Sean McDermott just didn't, didn't – it's through I me, mean, this is Sandy's uh, point of view. At that time, he just felt like he just didn't want to even go there. They didn't deal with Sandy Watson. didn't want to work with him. Where he had that one end of the spectrum. Not to say anything's right or wrong. But in Sean McDermott, there's a lot, there's a lot of coaches that go about it that way. Other end of the spectrum, you have one of Sean McDermott's uh, former bosses, right? I mean, Andy Reid. And – I mean, Andy Reid and, and Sammy Watkins, that relationship is something special. And um, he, he can relate to basically every type of player and is welcoming to every type of player and is calling him at 11 o'clock at night just to talk and is bringing him into his office and telling him his time's going to come this season when he's not getting the ball, talking to him this March over the phone and basically convincing him to stay in Kansas City. And Andy Reid is the reason that uh, Sammy wanted to stay in Kansas City. So, um, yeah, I mean, not to say anything's right or wrong, but it, it is interesting to see two head coaches deal with a player in two very different ways. Yeah, especially like you like you said that, you know, Sean McDermott comes from the Andy Reid head coaching tree. So, I mean, they have that in common. Right. So I'm not, I'm not exactly. saying... Exactly, yeah. I mean, just in different approaches, you're right. So I'm not saying that McDermott was like this, but, but so often you hear of teams just writing off players like Sammy, players dealing with depression and isolation and a lot of you know internal struggles especially ones that you mentioned he dealing with his family and you know the law and you know little pakistan and you know some of these teams just end up either just taking them off their draft boards altogether or cutting them or trading them early in their career as opposed to actually going out of their way to help them and you know groom them and 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 build them up i mean we as fans also for sometimes forget you know that all these athletes are people with families and problems that they deal with on a daily basis is that a problem in the nfl in general in your opinion is there lack of empathy for players like sammy and an unwillingness to help them when they're going through what sammy has gone through that's a really great question because yeah i I think there is i mean and that was one of Sammy Watkins' main points is, you know, he's, he's not alone. As he said, there are many, many players in the NFL, really in any professional sports league, that are dealing with real-life issues, life-and-death issues every day. I mean, I, I think if there's anything that just ticks off a player more, more than anything, it's when people just kind of look at him as a robot or a name you plug into a fantasy football lineup or – a uh, name you can just kind of toss into the Twitter Twitter echo chamber and bat around, you know. I mean, these, these are these are human beings. I mean, that are dealing with I mean, real stuff. Um, and, and look no further than than Sandy, whose brother, you know, best friend, uh, is 
might be locked away forever, who could be dead himself, who is suffering injury after injury and, and just falling into this depression. I mean, there's, there's a reason you see so many players across the league and, and even beyond the NFL opening up about mental health. I mean, I had a great conversation with, with Solomon Thomas uh, a year ago this time about uh, his, his depression. His sister committed suicide, and um, he admitted that with, in so many words that he was getting similar thoughts, dark thoughts. And John Lynch, the GM, uh, basically stepped in. I mean, in the, in the team cafeteria, if I recall, uh, could, could see in Solomon Thomas's face that something was wrong, talked to him, and got him help. He, he got a therapist. He basically turned his life around and, and is in a good place now. So I, I think that sports uh, is that, that, that that's definitely something in sports that maybe we don't talk enough about. And there's coaches who have coaches and GMs who kind of have that sensitive touch. Um, John Lynch obviously does, and Andy Reid in his way. Not, not I, you know, I don't cover the Bills anymore. I couldn't tell you if Sean McDermott has it or not. You know, and, and who knows what his conversations were really like with, with Sammy Watkins at that time. But uh, it would be um, interesting just to kind of look at the league as a whole and coaches and GMs everywhere, just kind of see if this is an issue that's being looked at closely enough, because I don't think Sammy Watkins is alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the depression and everything, like, I think it's potentially something that, you know, he wasn't in a good place when he was in Buffalo in general. And I mean, in your article, Sammy talks about a, a ton of different things, like uh, out of out of body experiences, uh, teleportation, leaping into other players' souls, aliens, demons, casting spells on other players, other dimensions, shape shifting, and, and a lot more than just like those many things I just mentioned. I mean, but some people have said that Sammy is suffering from a sort of mental illness. And I know that mental illness is a, is a subject that we want to tread lightly around. And and I know you're obviously not a licensed psychologist, but to me. Whatever he's found at this point in his life now with the Chiefs, I mean, he seems happy and content with. Is that is that how it appears to you, too? No doubt about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, on, on the surface, in the headline, when you see that a player thinks he's an alien and has witnessed somebody teleport, it's going to be a little jarring. It's going to be a little odd. That's not necessarily something that we learn in textbooks you know, back at Ellicottville Central. <laughs> but um, for Sammy Watkins, this is what helped him get to the other side. This is what helped him get out of that depression. And it, he'll be the first to say, look, you know, believe what you want to believe. I'm going to believe what I want to believe. People think I'm weird. That's fine. He told me that multiple times in our conversation. Like, I don't care if people think I'm weird. You know, they can believe whatever they want to believe. And um, this, this is just what he believes. And he has witnessed it he has lived it he, he believes he has seen this, this stuff and i think number one it's all about that energy and, and kind of feel the good deflecting the bad being conscious of those entities slash spirits that are all around us all in us and and whether you believe in spirits and entities or not it's a pretty good message right i mean that if you feel good act upon the good and send that good back out into the world. If somebody, something's telling you not to do something or something bad, don't act on it. Be conscious of it. And hey, the more positivity that's kind of spread around the, the universe, the better. So I, I think his message is, is get on and, and works for anybody who believes in any religion or any creed. Um, it's just, yeah, it's definitely he believes in some stuff that 
can be can be a little jarring and it's gonna take people by surprise, but um, you know, he, he can make you believe. He's got that effect, man. I'm telling you, like <laughs> if anybody who has been in this deep conversation with Sammy Watkins, um, Belton Davis put it best, like once you're in, you're in. And man, like I was talking about with some folks earlier, um, last last week, like when he was getting into the out of body stuff and trying to help people relate to what he feels like that Jaguars game when he was almost like a spectator to his own body and telling his body what to do and telling the Jaguar player, no, no, no. Like he said, think of an out of body experience in that moment. And I, I instantly could think of the one time that happened for me, like back in a high school basketball game and, you know, other people that I've talked to felt it, you know, in a car crash or, you know, that split second where you kind of see your life flash before your eyes and any out of body experience. He said, all right, now, Matt, now Matt's feeling like that all the time. And he, that's the best way he could put it. And I, I, he can make his body feel like that whenever he wants. So, um, yeah, you know, and the light's flickering a little bit and I, when I'm transcribing this conversation. I got, I got some goosebumps. <laughs> I was feeling the chill. So, wait, wait, before we go on to the next question, what was your uh, basketball out-of-body experience? I got to hear about this. <laughs> was it for the game-winning oh, shot? Man. Not the game-winning shot, but it was, uh, God, it would have been 2006, 2006. Uh, Went to Ellicottville, about an hour south of uh, Buffalo. We're playing our rivals in North Collins, heated rival in uh, the great southern tier. And uh, I drove to the hole, and I had got an elbow on my head, and it smashed my head open. I was actually, blood was squirting all over the court. Wow. It was like a water fountain out of my head. And so um, I got rushed to um, uh, ER, or like, or like the Holiday Valley, the ski resort. They've got you know, a doctor right there on site. So it was like just five minutes away. And he, I don't know, stitched it up with seven, eight stitches and swapped the bloody jersey for a clean one and played the fourth quarter. We actually came, came back and won. So it was a, a high school highlight. Now I sound like Uncle Rico, right? If we if we just would have done this, we would have won state. But I'm telling you, man, like, <laughs> coming back, I, I it's hard to explain, but, like, it felt like I wasn't really in my body. I don't know, but maybe it was just, like, raw adrenaline. Who the heck knows? But... Um, and talking to Sammy, I brought that up, and he's like, yeah, that, that's the feeling. That's the feeling. I can do that all the time. <laughs> that sounds like a heated rivalry, Tyler. If, you, if they're elbowing you in the head and sending you to the hospital to get stitches, that is a heated rivalry between North Collins and Ellicottville. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, not, you know, not not that I remember anything, but, you know, Scotty Goodhart, uh, um, he, had, he had a long beard, I think, in, in high school and a mustache in seventh grade before that, so... Uh, we have, we have some good battles back in the day. Maybe he's a loyal listener and we can kind of bury the hatchet. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope. Either that or he should apologize. I mean, it's been long enough, right? 2006. <laughs> he did. No, I'm kidding. I, I can, he, he apologized. But that was, it was a hard elbow. It definitely was. Enough to uh, get blood all over the court. So that's pretty good. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned on One Bills Live that Sammy received interest from Buffalo at least as Sammy said, he received interest from Buffalo about coming back before the trade for Stefan Diggs. And Brandon Bean has since refuted that statement. I mean, who do you believe in this scenario? Yeah, a pretty strong statement from Brandon Bean. A big old uh, end of discussion at the end of that quote. So he's not messing around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, you know, I think that uh, it's pretty clear that it behooves the GM to come out forcefully as he did when technically it would be tampering. I mean, he was under contract with the Chiefs. Um, it was no secret that he could be had. I mean, I was at the Combine in Indianapolis. That's when all the deals are cracked. And you know, people kind of knew that Sandy Watkins was a 
virtual free agent because the Chiefs weren't going to pay him at that number. So, you know, theoretically, this is me talking. If you're the Bills and you're looking for a veteran receiver, you know, you could trade a first for Stephon Diggs, and hey, Stephon Diggs is a stud. I think it was a great deal for the Bills. But, you know, maybe maybe you just are looking around and, hey, you could deal a mid-round pick for a Sammy Watkins type. You know, it makes sense. All Sammy Watkins told me was that his, his reps told him that the that the bills were interested. I mean, it could been could be a little little bit of interest, could be a lot. I don't know. That's just what he said, and um, it was kind of interesting to see that that little footnote nugget just kind of blow up locally. Yeah, you know, with uh, the GM himself coming out very very forcefully. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably smart for him to do that. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to get fined. Oh, absolutely, because Brandon Bean has nothing to gain by saying that he did, right? Because, like you mentioned, I mean, he's under contract. You cannot even, I, I guess, what what are the rules on that? Because can you, can you um, even talk to the representation? You have to make a deal with the Chiefs first to trade before you can even talk to the representation, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody talks. I mean, everybody talks. So, I mean, they, they aren't alone. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, I, I just, mm-hmm. it, to, to me, it was kind of like, I, when, when Sammy said it, like, what was, what was interesting to me was, you know, that he would consider the Bills after explaining how he had bad energy with Sean McDermott. And uh, that's when he said, no, I, I can make it work now. I can deal with any type of ener- energy and just, just flow with it. So uh, that was my takeaway, you know. Hey, it, hey. It, I, I highly doubt that he just made the whole thing up. I'll just say that. Yeah, yes, <laughs> very good point. So, I mean, what are, I want to get your thoughts on the Bills for 2020. Uh, you you pa- you cover the Packers for four years, including the 2011 season when they won the, their last Super Bowl. I mean, what do you think of the Bills this season? And is there any resemblance whatsoever of the Bills to that Packers team that went all the way? You know, I I think the the roster is better in a lot of ways. And I actually started. It would have been 2011, so right. The next year after they won the Super Bowl, so they, you know, it had even been better. You know, they were 15 and one, and were shocked by the Giants there in the divisional round. Um, but you know, the, the defense on that Packers team was bad. They weren't that good. They gave up yards in chunks, and eventually it caught up with them. Offensively, they could just turn every game into a track meet and run away from teams. I mean, I think the Bills, you know, defensively are loaded compared to that. I mean, they're always going to be able to stay in a game against any team with that defense. It's, it's all about Josh Allen, man. I mean, I, you know, headline news, here you go. Like, he's, he's, he's got to deliver in year three. It's probably a little too soon to say, like, do or die, make or break, but look where the Bears are with, with Mitchell Trubisky. They, they won the division. They thought that they, they made a great choice. They had this great defense. Next thing you know, you know, Mitchell Trubisky starts to struggle. They're not going to pick up the fifth-year option. They bring in Nick Foles. They have some weird open quarterback competition, and everybody's wishing that the Bears would have just drafted Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. Like, I mean, the Bills could have had both those players, too. I'm, I'm not saying Josh Allen's Mitchell Trubisky, but he did finish dead last in completion percentage. He was something like 22nd or 23rd in passer rating. He does a lot of really good things. He's fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's entertaining, but... Um, this is going to be a franchise-altering season. Uh, I mean, we're going to find out if, if Josh Allen is the quarterback of the future, which he very well may be. My God, he's talking about the strongest arm in football probably. Um, but, I mean, the accuracy thing is, is real. It's there. He's got to improve that if they're going to win it all. Uh, just a huge season. 
Well, it's a really great article you did on Sammy Watkins. Um, I really enjoy your writing style specifically. I think it just lends to a great read. Um, and I recommend everyone read it a couple of times. I'm going to put it in the show notes for the podcast. But um, I know you do a lot of great work throughout the year, even when it doesn't have to do with former Bills players. They can find all of your work on Bleacher Report. And where can people find you on social media? Absolutely. And, and thanks so much for the, the kind words, Nate. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, on Twitter, just at Ty Dunn, D-U-N-N-E. And Twitter is kind of terrible, but I'll be there if you want to talk. well i know it's been a crazy week with everything a lot of people have been wanting to interview you on a national level so really uh, appreciate the time you've taken out to to talk with me and our audience it's been really great to talk to you and uh and i hope we can do it again soon hey yeah anytime man just just say when really appreciate you having me support for this podcast comes from smart water life moves pretty fast are you drinking water that can keep up smart water alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated no matter where your day takes you whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just a quick plug for our Tea Public store. Three words for you. Treat, yo, sell. It is almost summertime, and wouldn't you like some cool Bills tank tops to flaunt some Suns Out, Guns Out shirts? Well, do you think the NFL shop sells them? Um, well, they might actually, but, but I know who definitely does sell them in any size and any color is our Bills T Public store. So if you want some cool, unique Bills designs that you cannot find anywhere else on the internet, please check out tpublic.com slash stores slash ctw pod there you will find tank tops t-shirts long sleeve tees hoodies and other options for our josh allen jumping over the haters design our you dig design for stefan Diggs getting traded to buffalo our sean mcdermott trust the process design and a bunch of cool other designs including uh different circle the wagons designs and a new america's real team bills design just in time for memorial day So we're constantly putting up some new Bills designs up there, and they never, ever go away. They're always up there. So there's always a sale going on. And uh, if you follow us on social media, I always plug those whenever I can so you guys can get a cool discount. Where else can you get $13 Bills t-shirts? I mean, it's ridiculous. So head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. And also, uh, we just started selling all of our stores designs and all our Bills designs on masks that you can wear in public to protect yourself. So as weird as that sounds, we're all wearing masks in public anyways, so you might as well uh, look good in these. Again, the site is tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod, and we have about 30 different unique Bills designs from different types of players, different types of slogans, and stuff like that, and we're always putting out new ones like I mentioned. Again, tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. Thanks again to Tyler Dunn from Bleach Report for coming on to talk Sammy Watkins and the Bills with us. Follow him on Twitter at 
Ty Dunn. That's at T-Y-D-U-N-N-E. And so for me, Nate, go Bills, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.